0: Great to see you, Journey. Uh, as Brian said, this is gonna be a little bit of a unique weekend. And if you are a first-time guest, uh, I just wanna let you know that it will be different. And my hope is, is that maybe you'll come back even next weekend as we start our or continue on in our relationship series. But I do wanna say this, if you're a first-time guest, uh, I don't wanna apologize for the things that we're gonna talk about today. And I actually think that if you're wondering What journey is about, wondering if if this is going to be your spiritual family. Some of the things that we're going to talk about today is going to be really, really helpful for you to hear. Because the things that we're talking about are reflective of who we are. What is our vision? What are our values? If you cut us, what are the things that we bleed? What matters to us? And I hope you catch this. We want to bleed the heart of Jesus for our valley. That's what matters to us When we look at the life of Jesus When we see what he did When he walked on this earth We know the things that he did He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God He healed people He cast out demons All of the ministry things he did But he shared his heart for people When he walked around and he saw The crowds, the multitudes The scripture tells us In Matthew chapter 9 That something happened inside of him Something happened in his heart. It said that he was wrecked. It said that he had compassion. The idea is that the pain of people around him was in his heart. The way the scriptures describes it, it says he saw them as harassed and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. It wrecked him. To know that there were people that were separated from the life that he wanted to bring them. People that were separated From the life of God It wrecked him on the inside Jesus had a heart for the crowds Every person He had a heart for the every person And he wants us to have a heart for our valley as well Every person in our valley You know what's also interesting about Jesus When when he talked about his heart He talked about the crowds But he liked to talk about the one The one person. And there's sometimes when you would hear Jesus teach that it almost seemed like one person mattered to him infinitely more than all people together. One mattered to him. He would tell parables and stories where he would talk about if you had a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what do you do? He said, you leave the 99 behind and you go after The one. Because the one matters. He said, you may have lots of coins, but if you lose even just one coin, what do you do? You light a lamp and you sweep the house. You do everything you can. You put everything else on the back burner and you try to find that one coin. Because the one matters. He talked about a son That was separated from his father. That was a lost son. One lost son. What does the father do? What is the heart of the father? You stand on the porch and you wait longingly because you want the one to come home. And when Jesus told all those stories in Luke 15, there's something that happens. When you find the one, what do you do? Party. You throw a major rager. That's the heart of God. He wants us to understand that's the win in the kingdom of God. One. One matters to God. Here's what I want us to think a little bit about. We've got a large crowd here. And if you've been around a little bit, you know that we've been talking about the fact that the crowd is growing. The every is growing in fact our, our growth has been in the neighborhood of bouncing around between 15 to 20 percent over this last year that means that on a given sunday there's about 250 to 300 more people here each weekend that by itself just the growth that we're seeing is a significant sized church in and of itself the every is growing but here's what we can never lose sight of journey That every that we're talking about, this crowd that we're talking about, it's full of ones. Every story in this room is unique. There is something very unique that God wants to do in and through each person's life. There's something unique about the experiences that everyone has, the troubles, the hardships, the joys, all those things. Every one matters. I wanna tell you a story about one of the ones here. About a month ago, I was out in the lobby and a beautiful young girl came up to me and she just said, I wanna tell you a little bit of my story. And as she shared her story, I just there was just a lump in my throat. And I asked her, I said, would you be willing to write that down and would you be willing to let me share that with people? And she said, yes. I want you to hear her story. We'll call her Amanda. This is her story. She said I grew up going to church, got saved when I was little, and was raised to have Jesus in my heart. My dad was in the church band, and my mom was always going to Bible studies, etc. I had the most amazing childhood and I have two great brothers. But as we all got older, I could see that my family was flawed. When I was in middle school, I learned and observed that my dad was an alcoholic. As his disease progressed, so did my doubt in God. My mom started to keep her relationship with God private, and since my dad was no longer living a spiritual life, we stopped going to church because he made all the family decisions. I watched my parents' life go downhill fast, and I could not understand why God wouldn't just fix my dad and my family could go back to the way that it used to be. I prayed and prayed, but dad kept drinking. On the outside, we were one big happy family, but we were broken inside and I eventually gave up. I decided that if dad can drink, so can I. I was 15 when I decided that God wasn't of any help to me and I can do what I want, so I did. I started drinking, doing drugs, selling my body, and lying about it all. Dad was in and out of jail, and so was my older brother. I didn't think I had a problem because I still got good grades. I graduated from high school, I studied abroad, and I graduated from college in 2017. However, in 2016, I got my first DUI And I thought it was so cool that I'd gone to jail. The consequences did not stop me from drinking and living the party life. I always thought that it was God's plan for me to be a drunk and that I would die that way. In 2018, I got my second DUI and it changed my life. I lay there on the jail cell floor, not knowing if I had killed anybody, how long I had been there, or what had happened. I was shaking in my own vomit on a cold floor, surrounded by other women in the same position as me, wondering, is this really God's plan for me? That was when I decided that I could not control my life and that I needed help. I always knew God was out there, so it was time to seek him out again. After being in Alcoholics Anonymous for one year, I had relapsed multiple times and wasn't sure I even wanted to be sober. I was in treatment. I didn't have a license. I had an ankle monitor on. I had thousands of dollars of fines and more. I had a hard time with God because I still resented Him. Finally, after my last relapse in February of 2019, I surrendered and I went to Journey Church on my own. I sat in the dark in the back and I cried every Sunday. I would not take communion because to me, that meant my rebellion against God was over. Slowly, I started to love church and even joined a women's Bible study. Every communion Sunday, I would tell myself I was going to surrender, but I just couldn't. I wanted it to really mean something, not just eat the bread because everyone else was doing it. On November 17th, it was Vision Sunday, And I almost didn't go, because really, who cares about Vision Sunday? Boring, she said. I care about Vision Sunday. Thank goodness I did. It was the best sermon i had ever heard. I am a lost sheep, and I do have a seat at his table. I felt that it was time, and I took the bread and the juice, and I feel like I got saved that day. I was, on, I was high on Jesus, better than any drunk I've ever had. Today, I'm 297 days sober, 24 years old, and I have a relationship with God. I have the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I sponsor other women in recovery, and I have a church family. It has been a long road of reconstruction, and I've only just gotten started. Thank you for being a part of my recovery and my spiritual journey. So sincerely, Amanda. Every one matters. Every one matters. Can I just take a little bit of time to talk with you about some of the demographics of the ones? that make up the everyone that are here. We did a survey last June, and here's what we found out. We were just kinda getting some general information about our congregation. We found out that the median age of our church, meaning half of the people are older than this and half of the people are younger than this, the median age of our church is 37. Young church. And that doesn't include our kids. It was We just surveyed the people that are in this room. You may have heard that there's this age range of people from 23 to 38 that are referred to as millennials. And there's so much that's been said about how the millennial generation is changing and shaping our culture. Our church is full of millennials. Here's why this is so significant, friends. This last December, the Gallup organization released a poll talking about the millennial generation and faith. And can I just read you the title of that article with this survey? It said, Millennials are leaving religion and they are not coming back. The Millennials are leaving religion and they are not coming back. The article kind of explains a little bit that every generation that preceded them, there was a time in that generation late teens, early 20s, when there was kind of this tidal effect where they would kind of move away from faith. But then when they got to the place where they were getting married and having kids, that they kind of came back to their faith. This is what they're seeing with the millennial generation. They are moving away from faith and they're staying there. The tide is moving out and they're headed out to sea as it relates to their faith. Almost half of millennials identify themselves as having no faith at all. The article talks a little bit about why. There's lots of reasons that people wonder why this is. They said the biggest reason, the main reason, is that the generation before them, my generation, they didn't hand the baton of faith to their kids. They didn't think About the next generation And this is significant This article talks about the millennial generation Faith speaking, the missing generation This generation, they're here And they're in our church in mass This is why this is important friends I believe for us as a church There is an incredible opportunity here and I would use a stronger word even than opportunity. I believe that there's a responsibility that we have as a church to pass the faith, baton of faith to the next generation. What are we going to do with this opportunity that we have? Because here's what it means. Our church is full of young people and our church is full of young families. And when I say challenge that there's a challenge in that, I promise you, I could go to any pastor in this town and say, our biggest challenge is our church is full of kids and young people and young families. They'd be like, can I please have that as my biggest challenge? But it is a challenge. All you have to do is walk down on some weekends in our base camp wing and you're gonna see it is crowded. There are kids, yeah, there's some volunteers right here. that, Uh-huh kids are hanging out the windows down there sometimes it's just crazy last weekend was just it's just a normal weekend here at journey 298 kids down in our base camp can I give you just a little perspective that's an elementary school friends we're not prepared with a facility to house an elementary school in our base camp wing And so as we continue to grow in the ways that God is moving in and around, not only in this room, but down in our base camp, we just had to look in the mirror and just ask some hard questions. What are we going to do about these needs? What are we going to do about our facility? We've got to think about what's next. We're at a crossroads and we're not going to just build something to build something. We are going to build something that reflects who we are, our vision and our values you need to hear this, church. We value the next generation. We are not gonna be a church that doesn't hand the baton of faith to those that are coming behind us. That's why as we begin to think about what a facility might look like for us, I want you to see a little bubble diagram that'll give you conceptually some idea there. We're thinking about a footprint that will double our capacity for down in base camp, increased classrooms, increased large worship area for our kids and a large lobby area down there for our kids there's some pictures I want you to see about what this lobby might look like could look like here's what I want it to be like here's what we want it to be like we want it to be like this that when a kid walks in there whether they're able to even verbalize this something in them says this is for me they had me in mind when I walked in here I kind of got this picture of parents You know when you kind of open the doors in front of you And the kids just run in ahead of you Because they're so excited to be there Because this was made for me That's what I want kids to feel like When they're coming to Journey Church This place was made for me They love me They have me in mind We value the next generation We want to create the best place possible To hand the baton of faith to them Another value that we have around here, and you've probably heard me say this a hundred times, and if you stick around here, you're gonna hear it thousands more times. We wanna be a church that moves from rows to circles. Rows to circles, rows to circles, why? We, we do a good job of doing rows in here. But here's the truth. You can get some information in rows. You might be getting even a little bit of inspiration in rows. But if we want the kind of transformation That we see the scriptures talking about We've got to move from a row to a circle And what we mean is we've got to find people That we get life on life with Eyeball to eyeball with That we're starting to open up the curtains of our life And letting people see what is really happening Inside of us That we would learn to love one another And serve one another And speak truth to one another Maybe even rebuke one another But we've got to do the one another's well If we're going to see the kind of transformation That we want to have Here's what we're noticing in our church as well. The relational environment around here is growing. We keep talking about it and people's hunger to be able to have those kind of circles and connections is growing. If you just watch after a gathering sometime, and don't do it today because everyone's gonna think you're watching them, but people hang out. People hang out around here. For a long time, they hang out. You see people out in the lobby trying to hang out Out in front of our base camp in that tiny little lobby area there, people are trying to hang out. But friends, our facility is not made for that. That's why when you look at the bubble diagram that we talked about, you'll see that there's this little bubble down there just to the right of the lobby that says Dream Coffee. This is kind of a coffee shop community space area that will help us facilitate moving from rows to circles. But it's not just a coffee shop. It's more than a coffee. There are lots of ways that we're going to use this. We will use this as a place for people to engage before and after worship gatherings. So we're not trying to shush you out of here or get you out of the lobby. There's a place that you can go and connect with people. This will also serve us, friends, as an alternative worship space. You see how churches today, oftentimes, they don't even build a facility. They meet in coffee shops. They meet in pubs. Because that's the kind of relational environment that people are looking for This can serve us as an overflow worship space And It doesn't even have to be overflow It can just be people that want to worship in a different way Where they can be around a table with someone Where they can be in connection And they're engaging around the message This is the opportunity that we have in a space like this This is the kind of space that we imagine our student ministries could use If that served them If there was an opportunity for young people, middle school, high school, they live in coffee shops, they live in those kind of environments. Let's create a space for them to worship and connect in the ways that they're used to. Another value of ours, you've heard this before too, is uncommon generosity. Uncommon generosity. As we think about what it is that we want to build, we're not gonna just be thinking about how can we use this on the weekend weekend For us This facility, this very facility The community uses this all the time You've probably been at events Not related to Journey Church Right here in the commons When we think about what we're going to build We're going to be thinking about How can the community use this with us A couple of ideas A couple of things that we've been exploring And are moving toward That coffee shop We've been in partnership Talking with a nonprofit in our community Called Dream And Dream is a nonprofit that works with developmentally disabled and people with Down Syndrome. And their dream, their vision, is that what if we had a business that we were able to employ people with Down Syndrome and developmental disabilities? What would that be like? Because I don't know if, I have family. I have a little nephew that has Downs. He has so much love to give. He is probably the most happy little boy that you're ever going to see. But it's going to be true that it's going to be challenging for him to find work someday. This is one of the most underemployed segments of our population. What would it be like if we shared this dream with dream? And we're close. We're close as we've been talking about what we're going to do. What if we had a coffee shop that was run and served by people with Down's syndrome? Wouldn't that just be a beautiful thing to love and to serve people in our community because everyone matters. Everyone matters. And you know this play area that we're talking about? It shouldn't just be for us to use on a weekend. But what would it be like if that kind of play area was open all week long to the community? I don't know if you know this, but Bozeman has some cold winter months, a couple of them. If you're a mom or a dad, a parent with small kids, you gotta get out of the house every once in a while. What would it be like if you had a place where that you could go, where you could take kids, get your cup of coffee with your friends, let them play, have adult conversation? Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't that be a way for us to serve our community? A place for kids to go play that, that's not plastic and not Burger King. A great place for kids to play and it is going to serve us all of this space is going to serve us as well I mean we our class you just heard us talking about our classes we're only able to offer a certain amount of classes because we just don't have the classroom space to offer all the ones that we want to more classrooms will serve all of us as well we wanted you to understand why why are we talking about a building project Why now? And our heart is that we would understand what is our heart for us as a church, but what is our heart for the valley? How could we use something like this to put the radical love of Jesus in action everywhere that we go? As we've been engaging this process, uh, we have a consultant that's been working with us trying to Help us think about how to discern steps moving forward. And that's what today, part of today is that. Just how do we discern together what God might be doing? But in one of those meetings, there was a part of it that, in my heart, it didn't go very well. Uh, Our consultant said, you guys need to understand that your vision for this, you need to understand that nationally, kids space is the most difficult space to raise money for. And it just, just kind of caught me off guard of like, why would kids' space be the most difficult? And he said, well, everybody really, they, they just want to build big auditoriums. And he said, here's the deal. He said, even though you have lots of young families in your church, it's still a relatively small portion of the whole. And he said, most people, as they approach these kind of things, are asking the question, what's in it for me? And I told him, That's not our church. That's not who we are. I must have said it a little bit stronger than I needed to because he was just like, I understand. I understand. I'm not saying that that's your church. I'm just telling you, as a consultant, it is the most difficult space to raise money for. Not for us. I don't believe that. I don't believe that we're a church that doesn't bleed for the next generation that doesn't think about those that are coming behind us. When we think about what it means to take the good news of Jesus to the world, oftentimes we think missions. We need to go to other countries. That's where people don't hear. That's where people don't know. Not anymore, friends. It's right here. It's right here in our town. It's our friend's. It's our coworkers, it's our neighbors, it's our own families. Church, our heart is what are we gonna do to hand the baton of faith to the next generation? I'm out of time. I'm gonna turn it over, pass the baton to Brian. (laughs) Two in a row, two in a row.
1: I told you we're not gonna be a church that drops the baton. That's dangerous. Throw it to a millennial, that's dangerous. All right. We were were supposed to ruin the world, Bob. Millennials were supposed to ruin the world. And look at us now. We have mortgages and children and... All right, good job, millennials. Well done. All right. So now is the really exciting time, okay? We're going to get to uh, do some live feedback um, because we want to have an ear to God and an ear to each other. Like we want to discern this together. For those of you who haven't been around the church world much, discern just means we, we just want to see if we're connected, see if we're thinking in the same way, if we're aligned. We believe that God speaks to us as a church family. And so we're gonna enter into a time uh, of responding to what Bob has just said, responding uh, in a tangible way. So tell me if you brought your phones and your laptops and your iPads and all that kind of stuff. Some of you are live streaming, you're on your iPad and your laptop. Way to go, you're way ahead of us. Okay, let me see your phones, all right? Got them, cool, all right? We're gonna need those in a moment. To set this up, though, I want to give you a little context for uh, the 22 questions that you're going to engage with in a moment, and it'll be way quicker than you think, five to seven minutes, um, but, but I want to give you some context to this, right, and I want to give you some numbers, so, so stay with me, okay? So we currently have a debt of 2.1%. Million It's a manageable debt for us. We're doing a really great job at paying it down. Our giving has trended up along with our attendance very, very well. And so we're grateful for the uncommon generosity that we have seen. We're in a very good season. Um, but this project is about a four and a half million dollar project. That's the estimated cost of some of the things that you're You've seen on here in the bubble diagram and then the other drawings, it's about an estimated cost of $4.5 million. Some of you are starting to do the math already on that. We estimate that we can give about $500,000 right now in cash uh, to this, which means, we. let me help you understand this. Like If we raise $3 million over the next three years, right? million dollars a year over the next three years, um, and we injected that 500000 in cash to it, we would add about a million dollars to our debt. That sounds substantial, but when you start crunching numbers on that, what's really interesting is that would only change our annual budget by about four and a half percent. So four and a half, now mind you, we'd have to raise three million dollars, right? Four and a half percent to get 47% more of this space to serve every one. But here's what we need to do. We need to figure out if that's true or not. We need to figure out if if y'all think we can raise $2 million, $3 million. Some of you are like, we'll raise $5 million. All right, put it on the survey, all right? Cool. Um, Because that's going to help us determine the scope and the timing of what we believe God is leading us into for the For the everyone. And before you go, okay, Bob did the spiritual thing and now Brian's doing the secular thing, right? He's doing the like pray and sermon thing. Like this is part of worship. So we're going to enter into a time of worship um, by connecting with 22 questions. And here's how you're going to do it. That's going to take you about five to seven, maybe we'll give you about 10 minutes or so uh, minutes and you're going to open this up on your paper that you received today. There is a, uh, a QR code and a URL. There's going to be a QR code and a URL that's going to go up on the screen as well. You can take out your camera. Watch this. Don't take a picture of it because some of you be like, I took a picture and it's not working. You can, you can put that into your uh, phone. Just let your phone focus on it. And a little link will pop up. You hit that link. And you'll go straight to that survey. If you don't have a phone or a tablet, um, uh, like here's what I was like. I'd love for you to just take some time to pray during this time and just to seek what God's voice might be to you. Uh, you're gonna have an opportunity to respond. We're gonna send an all church email tomorrow and that's gonna be available for eight days from now. And if you're having a ton of problems with this, come into the office. We will have people who will help you fill this out. We want... Listen, every one of your voices matters. It does. We need to gauge what God is doing, where he is leading us. Uh, If somebody around you is having a hard time, help your neighbor. We'll have some people during this time uh, walking around answering as many questions as we can. Let's set aside this time. Let's respond to what we heard Bob say. Let's respond to God. Um, And let's set this time aside as worship you good you got it let's go Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for engaging with that. If you are still filling it out, please continue. I want to remind you it'll be open for the next eight days. And so if you've got questions about that, please come chat with us in the office. We'd love to help you. Uh, Your voice matters. Everyone's voice matters. We really feel like something special is happening that God has positioned us in the center of the valley and that he wants to do something here. We believe that he wants to do something in the epicenter of your life, in the epicenter of your home, in the epicenter of your workplace, in the epicenter of your family, and in the epicenter of a whole bunch of folks that aren't here yet. So thank you for engaging with that there's a picture toward the end of the scriptures and the picture is that there is something in the center and it's not a building some expansion project it's Jesus and he is seated on the throne and gathered around him are all of his people And we get a glimpse of this in Revelation chapter 19. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean wave or the crash of loud thunder. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty One, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride, the church, has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb. We want to invite every one to that wedding feast. Heavenly Father, you are the center. You are seated in the throne. You are the lion and the lamb. The train of your robe, it fills the temple with glory. And so God, um, it is our hope that this is about you. This isn't ever about buildings or fundraising, but that it is about you and your kingdom. So God, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information, or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at
1: journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.